Hey, as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Let's say hello to one of the new faces over at Idea Public Schools. Uh, Chief Schools Officer Ernesto Cantu joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. Tell us a little bit about yourself for those of us that don't know. Sure, absolutely. Uh, My name is Ernesto Cantu. I've been with Idea for 20 years. This is actually my 20th year. Originally from Las Milpas. Uh, grew up there from, we were migrants, grew up in Las Milpas, was born in Caldwell, Idaho, joined the Army when I was 17, returned, um, started going to UTPA a year after I had gotten out, got my bachelor's, worked at PHA ISD for a year, also worked at Wyndham ISD, which is the um, actually the biggest district in the state of Texas, it's through Texas Department of Criminal Justice. I worked in Edinburgh at Lopez and the Govia State Jail. And then I just, I started working at IDEA in 2003 as a tutor, part-time tutor. That, at the end of that year, one of our founders, Joanne Gama, asked me if I would come to work full-time at IDEA. And she literally just said, hey, you know what, our Hispanic kids need more positive role models in their lives. And it just, it was hard for me to say no. So I've been here since 2003. I've been a tutor, a sixth grade math teacher, an assistant principal of operations, uh, director of new site development, principal twice, um, once in Brownsville at Idea Frontier, and then the last was at Idea Far here in Las Milpas. And then I moved to El Paso to be part of the founding team. So I was the executive director in El Paso. Was there for five years, built out 10 schools, 5,000 students more or less. And then there was an opportunity to become an area superintendent, which I took because I needed a Needed to come back to the RGV. My grandkids were here. My family was here. So we came back after five years and uh, just recently got promoted to chief schools officer. Ernesto Cantu is the chief schools officer at IDEA Public Schools, joining us on 710KURV. And all of this started as as you being a part-time tutor. So tell us about that. What kind of a... Uh, how, how does that journey unfold? And, and it, it, it starts this this massive portfolio that you've got. Yeah, so it's actually a great story. I started off as what we called the West Wing Coordinator, which literally I would stay after school with kids that hadn't finished their homework. And, you know, we called it West Wing because much like the West Wing, when there's a national crisis that it doesn't shut down, well, we didn't shut down either, right? So we w- I would stay there helping kids that had not finished their homework, and they would have to do the homework that they were missing plus that day's homework so that they wouldn't be um, stuck again at West Wing the following day. Uh, and sometimes I'd stay there till like 9 o'clock at night, helping kids. Um, and then from there it evolved to, hey, we need someone that can help tutor sixth grade math. And I was like, I can do that. Put me in, coach. So I did sixth grade math. And then it was like, hey, someone that can do Saturday school algebra. I'm your man. So I would do uh, algebra. And then it was somebody that can do adult English uh, language learner. And I was ESL certified. So I'm like, I can do that. So I, um, yeah, I had like, I was working like 20 to 25 hours at IDEA um, when I first started. Now, interestingly, the reason for that is when I used to work at the State Joe in Edinburgh, I had a great schedule. I would start working at 4.45 in the morning and I'd be done by noon. So literally my, I had full teacher salary and then I was off at noon. It was rough because you had to start at 4.45, but... You know, my wife in her infinite wisdom said, like, hey, you have too much free time on your hands. Like, you got to find something else. So luckily I had met uh, one of our co-founders in my graduate classes. <clears throat> Pardon me. And um, the next thing is history. I started working as a tutor, became a sixth-grade math teacher, really committed to IDEA and changing the lives of kids um, that 
I mean, when I was in Idea Donna, a lot of the kids that were from Bazinas, where I grew up, it was hard for me to not say or for me to walk away from that because I was literally working with and helping kids that look like me. In fact, I remember one time one of my students, we were, you know, I was talking about my life and what I had done. And one student said, wait, you're not from Las Mipas. And I said, what do you mean? Of course I am. She goes, no, you're a teacher. And that blew my mind. The fact that she could not equate that I was a teacher and also from Las Mipas. So it just, it's been my, my life's work, just making sure that we give kids a shot. Joining us on 710KURV is the chief schools officer, the new face at IDEA, which is the face that's been there for uh, over almost 20 years now. Ernesto Cantu joins us now. Tim Sullivan has a question for you. Yeah, Mr. Cantu, Tim Sullivan here. Uh, congratulations on your appointment. And let me ask you, uh, does that appointment and the appointment of Cody Grindle as president, does that uh, signal any change in IDEA's mission or is... Ideas, mission, status quo? Oh, no. Uh, we're still committed to sending our kids to college. Like, first and foremost, the mission is making sure that our kids are ready for college, that they're matriculating to college. I think, if anything, it reinforces that. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, you know, as I said, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been working in, in communities that do not have as high uh, matriculation levels as others. And we are committed to making sure that our kids are ready for college and that they're attending college. What's next for IDEA? Um, in, in your position, what strategies are you planning as you look uh, to the next 10, 20 years? Yeah, I, I think, um, I mean, the number one thing is that we have to be true to ourselves. Right? We have a real strong program model. We know it works. We went through a couple of years of expansion and it seemed like every year we were growing, 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 which is exciting. But, you know, in 20 years, like that takes a toll, its toll on, on folks, right? Yeah. So I think our next thing is for us is we need to focus on what we do have right now. Here in Texas, we do have some regions outside of Texas that we're also trying to show up and make sure that, you know, across all our district, I mean, we're serving almost 86,000 students next year. And that's huge, right? So. For me, my focus is like we need to make sure that we have two things, a great leader on every campus and a great teacher in every classroom, first and foremost. So that's going to be a commitment for next year, just making sure that the folks that we have on the ground that are serving kids are really well prepared to do that job. Well, give us a status update on IDEA Public Schools. How many campuses now in the Valley and how many campuses now elsewhere in Texas? You say you've got 86,000 students uh, across the yep. system? Yep, we have 124 total. Uh, I need to get the breakdown by the RGV. Um, I'd say we have close to 100 in the RGV. 24. No, I'm sorry. Um, I'd say about 90 in the RGV. And the rest are, are in outside of Texas. Where? Where are you now outside of the valley? Yeah, absolutely. We have schools in Baton Rouge, in Louisiana. We have schools in Florida, both in Tampa Bay and Jacksonville. And then we have schools in Cincinnati. And right now in Texas, we have schools in RGV, Austin, San Antonio, Houston, <clears throat> Fort Worth, Fermin Basin, and El Paso. Okay. As the chief schools officer, or Ernesto Cantu of Ideal Public Schools, joining us on 710KURV, uh, he's recently become the chief schools officer. What what does that role, uh, what are the duties to that role in particular? Yep, so number one thing, of course, is student achievement. Making sure that our students are prepared for any state assessments that, you know, in any state that we're at. And then ultimately making sure that they're prepared for university or college. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, and the way the structure is built out is that I, we have three area superintendents that oversee our schools. And then below that are executive directors at every region. And then we have principals and, and VPs of schools. But ultimately, my work is, doesn't change whether I was a tutor or a principal or a teacher. It's ultimately is making sure that our kids are, you know, getting the highest marks that they're achieving in school and that they're prepared for whatever's coming up next for them. You start July 1st. Uh, what do you plan on doing from day one? Yeah. Well, you know, um, 
at Idea, we, I, well, I won't say we, I say, I'll say I have a saying, right? We have two speeds at Idea. It's fast and super fast. Um, I'm, I'm still in the fast mode. I've, I've got uh, my hands in both, both parts, if you will. I have some work that I'm doing for the area superintendent, but I'm also already starting to think about the chief schools officer. Starting in July, when we get back um, from our, our short break, my plan is to start hitting every region and visiting with every executive director along with every superintendent. Just to, you know, we, we have to uh, put a face to a name. I haven't been outside of all other regions, outside of El Paso and the RGV, um, Houston or Tarrant County, but definitely need to get out to some of our, some of our non-Texas regions um, and just like really start talking to folks. Number one thing is making sure that our people have what they need whether it be supplies or support, whatever it is. Um, so I'm, my plan is to start hosting town halls and just meeting with folks in the community, going out and talking to parents. That's the number one thing for me. Well, we know that Idea Public Schools has a very decorated and experienced chief schools officer in you, Mr. Cantu. Thanks a lot for your time here today. Ernesto Cantu is the chief schools officer, the new chief schools officer for Idea Public Schools, joining us on Newstalk 710 KURV. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids. They're running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710 KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710 KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. There's a lot of growth and development in the city of Edinburgh. We're happy to talk about that. And in the plans for expansion, there's also need for parking space. We'll talk a little bit about some of the growth in the city of Edinburgh with the mayor of the city of Edinburgh, Ramiro Garza, joining us on 710KURV. Uh, let's talk about the downtown area and the way it stands right now with the new courthouse and some of the plans for the future for the downtown area. What is what is uh what what has some of the growth been and what is planned for the future? Yes, thank you. Good morning. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, so, uh, what we were discussing recently was the uh, building of a new a parking garage in our downtown. There's been a series of improvements made in the downtown that we continue to make. Um, there was a uh, amphitheater that was just open uh, last year. And uh, we're working on building a, it's under construction right now, a cultural arts facility. It's a venue facility. It's a a little over 30,000 square feet uh, right next to City Hall. And this is all uh, improving our promenade park that connects our downtown to City Hall and the university. And as you all know, with the courthouse being built also, um, uh, has, you know, required us to look at additional parking. And... Um, in 2021, the city issued bonds for building a parking garage, um, and uh, at this time, we just wanted to make sure we did a needs assessment so that we understand what all the parking is needed, and uh, this is going to add to um, parking that very much needed in our downtown. Can you describe what the current parking situation is for the courthouse area? Uh, I have not been um, assigned the opportunity to join for jury duty recently, so I haven't been around the area. <laughs> well, so, look, uh, there is parking. One of the things that uh, the the study, we did a needs assessment, uh, and that needs assessment looked at all the needs of not just the courthouse, but also the businesses down, uh, downtown and, and what parking is available. Um, and I, I think what, what's happening is there's a lot of changes in our downtown that's going to be happening, not just because of the new courthouse, uh, but uh, Textot's also going to be coming in and making some 
uh, drainage improvements around our downtown. So it's going to change the flow of traffic around the courthouse square. It's actually going to go uh, one direction. And the on-street parking you currently see in the downtown is is uh, going to be eliminated. And so uh, there's going to be additional parking available, but not as we know it today. So that that's why there's a need uh, for parking. The study did look at a comprehensive a viewpoint of this and did find that those over 700 parking spaces that would be needed over a period of time. Um, and I, of course, what we're looking at right now is building one parking garage in this uh, location that the county deeded over to the city to build this parking garage. Um, this parking garage only will hold, uh, I think, about 250 to 300 parking spaces. Uh, obviously, that's well short of the demand that is needed, but uh, that's what we're looking at right now. We have funding only to build that three-story parking garage right now. And so um, just thought it was important that we look at the overall needs and uh, as we start these improvements. Joining us on 710KURV, giving us an update of downtown Edinburgh and the plans for parking in that downtown is the mayor of Edinburgh, Ramiro Garza. Yeah, Mayor Tim Sullivan here. So what are your options now that the city has already funded the smaller parking garage, which you mentioned has been deemed to be inadequate considering the uh, city's projected downtown activity. So where do you go from here? Well, so the options are pretty clear. Obviously, we, we can go with the uh, what's already funded, like you mentioned, and, and I should state not, uh, but just the fact, obviously, these funds were issued prior to myself getting elected, so I, I didn't have an opportunity, and I, I shouldn't say it that way, but it's the truth, uh, to have looked at this, I would have done a needs assessment first, find out what we, uh, our, uh, our needs are, uh, do the plans, and then, you know, issue bonds. But unfortunately, that did not happen that way. Bonds were issued first. So really, um, we got to be fiscally responsible, and um, we got to work with the funds that we have right now. So it, one option is to proceed with the plans right now for the three-story parking garage while we evaluate other options. Um, in other areas of the downtown for parking. Um, and uh, the other option is to obviously acquire additional debt to to uh, make it bigger. I, I'm not sure if I would support that at this time, me personally, just because uh, this debt has already been issued. And, um, but that is an option, obviously, for the council to consider if we wanted to do that. Um, but I, I think at, at this time, it was important that we did this needs assessment because there's other things happening in our downtown that uh, on the private sector side of businesses that are investing. Um, I know the school district is there too and the university. And we're going to be exploring other options, how we'll bring additional parking as we see other improvements done uh, in or near our downtown. Okay. what What is the projected cost for the 250-vehicle garage, and is there a projected cost for how much more it would be if you uh, went ahead and, and built that 750-vehicle garage? So I, at this point, uh, the cost estimated for the uh, uh, 250 to 300 parking is about $10 million, which is what we have right now. Um, and uh, it was estimated very preliminarily that it will be up to $28 million if we were to do and address all 750 parking spaces. Uh, keep in mind that that 750 is uh, not just a current need, but future demand as well. You know, so you know, obviously that's why I think it's important to look at this overall as uh, the entire downtown area and the needs are not just uh, the parking in this particular site. I think there's opportunities for other parking uh, throughout the downtown that we can look at, uh, but um, th th that's what's projected at this time. And what's the location? Where would the structure be built as planned? Uh, so it's projected to be built on the north uh, west corner of Klausner and McIntyre, which is the caddy corner to the Courtney Courthouse. Um, there's uh, Right now it's a jury parking lot, so if you've gotten a jury duty recently, that's the parking designated for jury duty. Gotcha. Uh, it's right on the corner right next to the Oak Creamery building, um, yes. which the current Melvin Hunt. Yes, sir. That okay. little uh, plot there is what has been dedicated to the city for uh, parking garage. So when you were, well, did it surprise you, 
Ramiro, that, you know, to learn that a needs assessment and economic feasibility study was never done for the parking garage? Well, look, I'll say this. I, I think what was looked at uh, at that time was, you know, there was uh, uh, a need to just, you know, go based on what the uh, uh, county was looking at, the elimination of those parking on-street parking around the downtown. Um, uh, but... Uh, and I, I think the city issued uh, bonds not just for the par- parking garage, but for that cultural arts facility that was built uh, as well. And so I, I, I think they just went based on the funding that they had available. Um, I, obviously, for me, I, I just that's just not the way to go about things. You got to do a needs assessment first, uh, so that you determine, and maybe maybe you can even go and seek other partners at that time before we issue bonds. And so. Uh, but, you know, we're here now, and, and uh, we're looking to deal with this in the best way we can while we're going to be fiscally responsible with it. Edinburgh Mayor Ramiro Garza joining us on 710KURV. i got about a minute here, but uh, there's been a lot of improvements to the downtown area around the courthouse, and you can tell that it's uh, uh, under construction. Uh, when can we expect to see some of that cleared up? Well, uh if we start the parking garage, you're going to see not more construction <laughs> <also> very soon. <laughs> I figured. Uh, so, I, I, you know, it. look, it, when you have a growing area, um, I, you know, I, it just, uh, it improvements, uh, you know, do not stop. You have to continue, right? Because you have to make uh, improvements to keep up with that growth. And so we just, you know, ask our residents for patience or, you know, of course, people coming into <laughs> downtown. Um, I, I think it's only to improve our area. And um, know that we'll always make sure that there's access, that there's, you know, um, ways for people to move around. Uh, but um, it, it is just uh, something that uh, we're going to work through. And, and uh, it's, uh, I think we're going to continue to see improvements, but we just ask people for patience. That's all. <laughs> well, downtown Edinburgh has so much potential for growth, and it is, it is a lovely downtown. Indeed. And uh, we thank you for your time here today. Thank you, Mayor. Giving us a taste of the future. That's Edinburgh Mayor Ramiro Garza joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an active shooter, multiple gunshots. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. This is Newstalk 710-KURV, this radio station, exclusive play-by-play home for Houston Astros baseball. Thank you to our many supporters, including FNT Valley Motorsports and Riverside Development Services and also Hess Air. It's summertime. You know what that means? It's time to travel to the jewel of our Valley getaway. That is South Padre Island, and the mayor in charge of that is... Mayor Patrick McNulty joining us right now in the Valley's Morning News. So how are things going at the island right now? Here we are at the at the beginning of what is a, a hot summer. What are people doing at South Padre to beat the heat? Well, I think they're enjoying our nice coastal breeze out on the beach and, and the various swim pools at condos and hotels. And it seems like everybody's having a great time. You have a, do you have a, a bird's eye view or a... a a ballpark estimate of, of how things look so far. I know things are always congested around this part of the, of the, of the travel season for you guys at South Padre Island, but tell you what, for people that don't um, look at these types of numbers for a living, when, what do you all consider the summer travel season? What period of time? Well, I think the summer travel season has kind of started the week or week of uh, Memorial day. And it's going to keep going all the way through probably August 15th or so. How congested have things have been? Which is a good thing for business, <laughs> considering all the people that are there. But uh, how does it look for you? Well, we've had a couple of congested weekends. Uh, the uh, whenever we get a rack on the causeway from 
from people not paying attention or whatever they're doing when they're driving. Uh, it seems to, uh, you know, create a little bit of a backlog and then it, you know, it kind of builds on that. Uh, if I were coming from the Valley, I'd come earlier than later. You know, and uh, I've but, seen those pictures, but I was really more expecting that the, that the demand to get across the causeway to get into South Padre Island was just so great that it was already, you know, filling up the causeway without any accidents, obviously from, uh, from Port Isabel to the Island. Well, again, you know, it, every it seems like every weekend we've had one or two wrecks on the causeway or somewhere near the causeway and that's when uh you know the congestion really builds up because it takes a little while to clear the causeway and clear that wreck get traffic moving and while people are coming to the island or leaving the island if it all happens at one time it uh it, it builds up a lot of congestion and it, but it gets its way through um let's see last not this Saturday, but the Saturday beforehand, I was coming back from my kids' graduation in Houston, and uh, we uh, we hit the eye. Oh, left the, left Harlan Gym at at four o'clock, and you know got to got to the island about five thirty, and it was it was a pretty smooth experience overall. Uh, and then this last Saturday, I was coming back from from another deal at Harlan Gym at around that same time, and got back to the island in an hour and 10 minutes. And so that's a, that's a pretty good schedule at four o'clock, at least leaving Harlingen. We're I'm getting so an, ple- pleasantly happy with that. We're getting an update of South Padre Island from the mayor of South Padre Island, mayor Patrick Mendolte joining us on news talk, 710 KURV mayor, Tim Sullivan here. Let's talk Margaritaville for a moment. Uh, if we could, the ribbon cutting this week, marking the opening of that uh, resort seems to be a, Pretty happening place. Uh, what what does a Margarita Resort, a Margaritaville Resort, offer? Well, it's just it, it's based off of Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville song, and I think that anybody who knows that song kind of knows that that kind of describes South Padre Island, and it's a great asset for South Padre Island. We're really happy with with the group that made the investment on South Padre Island, and excited about their opening and they seem to be very excited about the summer and uh we look forward for them being for us being good partners together on south padre island there's not a whole lot of margaritaville resorts around the country Uh, who gets the credit for bringing one to to the island uh it'd be highline investments uh the group that purchased the pearl uh they purchased the pearl and they went out and, and convinced uh margaritaville corporate that we were the perfect location for them and and as it showed yesterday or two days ago for that Mm -hmm. ribbon cutting corporate was very excited about uh south padre island and and the the new margaritaville and and they're they're really happy about making that decision to put a flag here what type of uh, person or tourist does this type of resort cater to anybody who might want to come to the island yeah, it caters to families. It caters to uh, retirees. It, it, it caters to anybody who's looking for a, a resort atmosphere. Um, and, and they they have uh, apparently they have like kid activities during the day. They've got music at night. Uh, they've, they've they've got a, a really good program. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've got the market. There's like go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, so you've got the Margaritaville now. You've got some development going on around the um, the convention center. Can you give us an update on what's uh, what's going up there? Well, I believe the, uh, the county issued an RFP, and they'll be deciding uh, on a, a candidate who submitted the, the, the best proposal, but they're planning on a, wanting someone to come in there and develop a full service uh, resort, high-level high resort uh, across from the convention center. And as we're working on uh, getting our plans done for an expansion of the convention center, which will double the size, wow. it'll add a, uh, it'll add a uh, kind of performing arts theater, small theater, uh, onto it, as well as adding about 40,000 square feet of exhibition space, which wow. can also be converted to 
indoor out or indoor youth sports tourism markets for like cheerleading and basketball tournaments and uh, volleyball and wrestling, all that fun stuff. Uh, probably have that projected uh, in about three years or so, four years. It'll be open, I guess, three years maybe. All right. And uh, we'll be really excited because I'll probably tail on to whoever ends up getting awarded the, the contract to the RFP to to build a, a resort hotel there at, at, across the street on the beach. Wow. We're joined by South Padre Island Mayor Patrick McNulty joining us on 710KURB. We're getting an update at South Padre Island. You know, there's so much to do at South Padre Island. I know you know that, but I'm, I'm a... I'm, I'm just reiterating that. Uh, the Beach Park at Isla Blanca, Sea Turtle Inc., there's so many things going on. Are there any updates for uh, developments along the way for any of these uh, big landmarks of the island? Well, again, you know, we've, uh, with Cameron County putting out that RFP, I think that'll be a big landmark. And, of course, we're really excited about the summer for Beach Park. They've had a, a lot of lot of activity this year i think they've they've got all the rides open and they just had a ton of people uh going through their doors the last couple of days and we want to see that continue and of course sea turtle inc is building uh their hospital they've started construction on their their hospital side of their uh facility and then of course you have the world birding center or the south potter island nature and birding center which is uh another great asset for South Potter Island. And uh, we're just going to continue to, to try to grow South Potter Island in a responsible manner that, that still brings a lot of tourist-related activities to our island. Have you heard any whispers about the progress of, uh, f- uh, of the second Causeway talks? I think that... that that there's some good movement going on with the second causeway. Uh, TxDOT is, is joining up with the EIS or the environmental study. Uh, and so that should get the project moving in a little bit better manner. And once that EIS is complete, then we'll have a good idea of where that second causeway is going to land and uh, on the island and on the mainland. And have a good idea of cost and that'll time in perfectly hopefully with the 2025 legislative cycle um and 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 so we should get some good movement on again you know judge trevino and cameron county rma uh, they have they've been been leading the charge on it and we're we're very thankful for all of their uh, efforts and, and we, we we hopefully can see a light at the end of the tunnel at some point in time. Mayor Patrick McNulty joining uh, and, us. And the, and, Go ahead. And I might add the, the, the I might add too that the Cameron County Judge Eddie Trevino has been working well with the governor's office, and it, again he's uh, he's leading the charge here on this, and it uh, it all seems like. We appreciate everybody's help from the, lieutenant, the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the speaker of the house. Everybody is kind of making a team effort on, on trying to make the second causeway a priority. Thanks a lot, Mayor. Appreciate your time with us here today. That's Mayor Patrick McNulty from South Padre Island joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. Let's get a summer update from our friends at Palm Valley Animal Society. Plus, let's get some tips on how to help your pets beat the heat this summer. 
Joining us on 710KURV, Director of Operations of Palm Valley Animal Society, is Faith Wright joining us. And so let's get a let's get a quick check of the, the shelters um, for the summer. What, what do the numbers look like and how can people help you? Okay, great. Um, so the numbers are, of course, high as usual. Um, but we have some exciting things going on. We have up to 200 animals will be flying out on June 28th, however many we can fit on that airplane. We've got some high-volume vets coming in courtesy of a rescue group up north out of Philadelphia. They're paying for the shelter animals to be spayed and neutered, and then they will fly on a plane with dog as my co-pilot, go to Philadelphia, and join a mega adoption event up there where over 5,000 animals are adopted over a weekend period. So we are lucky we were chosen to get to participate, and it's at no cost to us other than we have to find crates. So we're needing 20-inch, 22-inch, 24-inch, and 26-inch crates desperately so we can get all these kittens and puppies up out of the valley to Philadelphia. So that's our big need. And then you talked about the heat. The heat is obviously, as you can understand, hitting us hard. The Trenton location is 90% outdoors, so our dogs are outside and it is very hot. We try to have shade covers as much as we can and fans going, but you know, bags of ice would be great where we could put ice on the, the concrete floors for them to be able to lay on ice cubes and just stay cool. That would be really amazing for them. And if anybody, you know, has those big, giant, orange industrial fans that they're not using, giving those to us as well and extension cords would be huge because then we could put one at each end of each dog run. Right now, we only have one per each dog run. And as you can imagine, it doesn't reach the entire row of 26 kennels, you know, all the way down with the cool air. So those are things for the shelter that can be done. And then for your private pet, for your own personal pet, this is a crucial time to make sure that your animals are inside. It is very hot. Yesterday at 4 o'clock, the heat index was 115 degrees. So you walked outside, and it feels like 115, even though it was, quote-unquote, only 104 outside. So we need to make sure that everybody's pets are indoors. If they have to be outside, let's make sure there's shade cover, swimming pool with cool water, fresh drinking water at all times. I know that my dogs live inside, but I take them outside, and I have water bowls for them outside. I have to dump that water every time I take them out because it just gets algae-ridden. There's algae growing in it because the temperatures are so hot outside. So we need to make sure that everybody has fresh drinking water, cool drinking water, and as much as you can do, make sure your animals are inside. And also, it's a really important thing to remember that you don't walk dogs right now. You walk them early morning and late night. You walk them in the middle of the day, their feet are stepping on asphalt that's 115 degrees, and it can burn their paws. And that's obviously, you know, very painful and very dangerous to each dog. Cats are smart. Cats are much smarter than all of us. They go find the cool sections of the neighborhood to live in. They go under the bushes. They go under the trees. They keep themselves much cooler than the dogs. But dogs are more like us. They, you know, they want and look for attention from people. So they're wandering around on the concrete and the asphalt road. So we just need to do everything we can to make sure we're keeping all the dogs cool. Joining us on 710KURV from Palm Valley Animal Society, Director of Operations Faith Wright joining us. Uh, we're getting a summer update and tips on how to beat the heat. Yeah, the the when you take your pet for walkies, that was the one thing that I, I knew, oh, Lord, I think I had seen a news report, I think, last year of how bad the asphalt is and how bad the sidewalks are. And just, just keep your pets mm-hmm. on the grass for the most part or just... Um, have those walkies during the day? Uh, sorry, in the in the morning or or late late in the evening when things have cooled down a bit. But even in the evening, it's really hot. Yeah, I mean you'd have to walk them like once the sun has set, pretty much. Um, a really good rule of thumb is to take the back of your hand and put it on the ground. If it burns your hand, it's going to burn their paws. And oh. obviously, do not have your animal in a car riding around town with you right now, unless that air conditioner is flowing. And you know, when, keeping your windows cracked open, things like that, that dog is going to, to overheat immediately. For the uh, shipping of pets to help you guys out and uh, get as many pets out there as possible, um, you, you all need crates. What kind of crates? They're the airline crates. So if you go to Amazon or even Wayfair, you can put in 19-inch, 20-inch, 22-inch. Like you can put in the, the size inch airline crates and so it's going to be the ones that are not the metal crates that we like to loan out to people for fostering and, and transporting these are actually ones that go on the airplanes and you know the, we feel bad because we're always asking for airline crates but the thing that people don't understand is we fly these animals out we don't get those crates immediately back 
what happens is the rescue group that gets the animals, they bring crates and put them back on the dog as my co-pilot flights, but we don't necessarily get ours back. We just get some back the next time we get another flight. And so this particular flight is one where we're putting as many small crates on as possible to get the numbers up of what can fly out. So we're, we're kind of desperately needing the smaller crates more than the bigger crates this time around. Joining us on 710 KURV is Faith Wright from Palm Valley Animal Society. And for people that are listening right now that are considering uh, adoption or if they're not able to adopt outright, they can, they can foster. Tell us about uh, what comes with adopting and fostering at Palm Valley Animal Society. Great. Thanks for asking those questions, too. So we have some amazing things going on with our foster program. We have what's called the Tales Around Town. You can just come and pick up a dog and take it to a cool patio and have lunch with them. Right now, we have two Roosevelt 7 $20 gift cards. And if you take one of our two longest-day dogs out on Tales Around Town, our dog is going to buy you lunch or dinner. So you can take them for an hour, two hours, four hours, whatever you want. You feel bad for a dog and you just want to take it to your house and watch a movie with it in the air conditioning, please feel free to do so. We also have pajama parties. So you can check out a dog from one night to up to four nights and have a sleepover with it. Let's say that your husband's allergic to animals, but now your husband's out of town for the weekend. Great. Come borrow an animal. Um, Same thing with your wife, same thing with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever you need to do. If you just need a cuddler, we've got them for you. So you can um, take out a dog for up to four nights. On the fifth day, you get to choose. You either bring the dog back because we've saved its kennel for them, or you want to turn into a long-term foster, or, hey, you want to adopt now. We work with you on all of those areas. We provide the food. We provide any supplies that you need for the pajama party as well as for fostering. All supplies are um, uh, provided for you. And then for adoptions, we have all kinds of great adoption events that are about to start happening. Pretty much the entire month of July will be waived fees. We have uh, June 30th through July 2nd is the Best Friends Animal Society National Adoption Weekend. And so fees will be $25 for kittens and puppies and waived for all adult animals. And then July 10th through the 16th, it is the RGV Mega Adoption Event with PetSmart Charities and Best Friends Animal Society. Um, Again, puppies and kittens will be 25 and all adults will be waived. And then starting on the 17th through the 31st of July, there's the Bissell Pets Clear the Shelter event. And we will also be doing $25 cats and uh, kittens and puppies and waived adult fees. So there's all kinds of opportunities. There's no reason to not adopt right now. June 28th, we will also be at the McAllen Public Library for a kitten adoption event. And that one is from 2 to 4 p.m. And uh, uh, kittens and puppies will be $25. And and another exciting thing coming to the RGV is beginning July 1st, every Saturday and Sunday, Palm Valley Animal Society will have animals available for adoption at the PetSmart on 10th and McCall. I'm sorry, 10th 10th Street and um, Trenton. So it's super exciting. That's a um, special thing that uh, PetSmart Charities is helping us fund. So every single weekend, you will now not have to go to the shelter if you want to adopt. You can actually go to the PetSmart at 10th and Trenton and adopt an animal there. So just lots of things coming to the Valley. Yeah, absolutely. You guys have so much going on at Palm Valley Animal Society. And uh, I know we're sounding the alarm for crates right now and ice to help the the pets beat the heat for people that want to inquire on ways that they can help out. Or uh, for adoption purposes, uh, where can we reach you? You can just go to pvastx.org, or you can call 956-686-1141, and we can also help you over the phone. We, can, uh, we have QR codes on site at the 2501 West Trenton Road for donations. If you just feel inclined to maybe give donations that we can then go buy ice with or buy crates with, you're, obviously that's very much welcome. Um, But yeah, so lots of things happening. We're really excited. Hey, thanks a lot for spending some time with us this morning. That's Faith Wright, Director of Operations at Palm Valley Animal Society, joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. 
You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Coming out of the city of San Juan, they've got a new cultural arts district for downtown San Juan. Joining us on 710 KURV to tell us about it is Dr. Dahlia Guerra, special assistant to the Dean of Fine Arts. And uh, so tell us about this new cultural arts district in San Juan. Um, How long has this been in the works? Hi, Zach, and hi, everybody out there. Uh, Well, this is fairly new because during a recent meeting, the San Juan City Council approved the creation of this San Juan Cultural Arts District. This is an an effort that was led by Miriam Cepeda Gelman, the former executive director of the Gelman Stained Glass Museum. So it's pretty recent, pretty exciting. Wow, and what what was the... What was the the vision for for putting this cultural arts district together, and what's the goal? Yes, well, let me tell you the mission statement so we can get a good idea uh, of the goal. It is to enhance and inspire an appreciation of the arts, history, spirituality, and culture that celebrates the San Juan community. And you- so, e- cultural arts districts really do harness the power of cultural resources, uh, especially to stimulate economic development and, of course, the vitality of the community. So these districts can actually help generate businesses, attract tourism, encourage cultural development, and, and it's, it'll, it's a source of civic pride as well. And so what type of uh, development and events and sorts of things in San Juan and the downtown area uh, do you all plan to be doing in the future? Well, you know the Stained Glass Museum is just incredible. That is just the most beautiful uh, museum that I have in the, I think it's in the world and it's one of the largest stained glass museums but of course the Basilica the Basilica is uh, attracts at least 1 million tourists per year so this alone uh, the Basilica alone uh, just is, is uh, has incredible ability to to be a center of, uh, of religious tourism and cultural arts as well, because the shrine, um, the shrine itself is an incredible beauty, uh, artistic creation in itself. Joining us on 710KURV is Dr. Dalia Guerra, Special Assistant to the Dean of Fine Arts at the new downtown San Juan Cultural Arts District. Yeah, Dr. Guerra, Tim Sullivan here. Can you uh, further explain what the Cultural Arts District uh, takes in? What are the current boundaries and and what's included in those boundaries besides the shrine and the museum uh right now yes and there's uh several businesses we have la especial bakery that's in that area mijitos cafe rancho grande the san juan city hall liberty park the san juan economic development corporation we have the municipal park so it's it's an area um that is if you want me to get really specific, I believe uh, the the historic Oblate Drive from from I two Frontage Road going south, turning west on First Street, turning south on Veterans Boulevard, turning east on Business eighty three until Nebraska, north, turn east on First Street, north on Iowa. So it's a good, it's a nice large area uh, with a great potential of um, of cultural and economic development. Is it a historical area too? I believe it is. Um, the the basilica in itself was originally created in the 1920s, and you know the story of of the building of the new basilica to replace that church that was uh, destroyed by that uh, the airplane. Yes, and, um, you know that story. Yep. So that is a very historical area, and. Um, well, the Gelman is historical in a different way. It's a new museum, but the stained glass that's, that's uh, showcased in that museum is incredible and uh, showcases glass from all over the world, and just it's amazing. So, yes, that's what, that's what the plan is. What's the vision for the future? Uh, what do you hope to attract in the years ahead? You mentioned some, uh, it's, a, it's a tool for economic development. Well, sure. It would be attracting more business to the downtown area, perhaps restaurants, uh, perhaps some bars, perhaps um, just more uh, more of opportunities for the community to come and, and celebrate the culture of San Juan. We envision some some wonderful festivals. We're planning a uh, um, Dia de los Muertos festival, showcasing 
folkloric dancing and uh, and perhaps some mariachis and and just a different. Um, the beauty of that Dia de los Muertos is opens itself to a, a lot of, of of possibilities there, and we're planning a big festival for that event and more to come. It is in the planning stages, and a, a board has been selected, and uh, just we're very excited about coming up with some great ideas for that downtown area. It it really does seem like it, it has a lot of potential, especially since, uh, you know, the San Juan's right there off the expressway and everything, you know, and you've got the Basilica there exactly. as a great as a great uh, landmark and an and attraction to those that are um, seekers of faith, as well as the Gelmenstein Glass Museum, which in and itself, uh, I've, I've had an interview describing the like the process and how painstakingly meticulous the 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 procedure is in bringing in all of those different priceless but might I add priceless uh, features of stained glass art from all over the planet that is just incredible and so it's there's incredible a, it's amazing there's a there's an incredible amount of uh, attractions in just those two right there so the the amount of expansion and potential for this in the downtown San Juan Cultural Arts District is just phenomenal. Dr. Dahlia Guerra is a special assistant to the Dean of Fine Arts, joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710 KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710 KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.